Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Good morning, Transformation Church. Man, 2024 is here. It's a new year. We just had Christmas, and Christmas was good. I got some new clothes for Christmas, but I was looking up on the screen and they, they didn't do me right. I mean, I put them through the washing machine this morning, and it came out wrinkly. So I, I hope 2024 is going a little better for you than me. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we are so excited to be here with you today. We're headed into a new series called Cloud and Fire. Uh, and we're going to look at what God does as he leads us and he guides us. And so uh, we're going to start that today. Let's pray real quick. God, we love you. Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I pray that your spirit would just move. Father, that as we open your word, Lord, we would hear from you. We pray this in your name. Amen. 430 years. 430 years had gone by, and that's a long time to be in captivity. The nation of Israel found themselves captive to the Egyptians for 430 long years. And it started out that God had brought them to that place. God had led Joseph through a series of circumstances to a place of high position in Egypt. He took leadership and then God used that leadership and that authority to bring his people to Egypt in time of famine. And it was a moment of God rescuing his people. It was a moment of God providing in an incredible way to bring his people to this far off land so that they could be fed. And then time started to pass. And the people who had found so much favor in the land of Egypt started to fall out of favor. They fell out of favor with one of the most powerful rulers in all of the world. They fell out of favor with Pharaoh, a violent ruler and dictator. And and soon the Israelite people found themselves enslaved by this leader. And now they were waiting. And the glimmer of hope and the darkest hour was upon them. And year after year they were holding on to some sort of hope that the God who had led them there would be the God who would save them from their oppression. And they held on. And they held on to hope for 430 years. I don't know about you, but 10 minutes at the Starbucks line and I'm out. I don't like the wait. I don't, I think we live in a culture that does not like to wait. We don't, you know, I mean, we're in a hurry. I, I go to the grocery store, I'm finding the shortest line. And if I'm going to the self-checkout line, you got to be careful. People are zooming in there. They're going to jump in front of you. I'm not about to wait. There's this crazy place where people are really willing to wait. I just don't understand it. Um, we go to Carline. And if you're a parent and you understand how Carline works, it is the strangest thing. Carline pickup starts at 1.30. My daughter's in preschool. It's, it's early. And the parents get there for preschool Carline at 1 o'clock. So they can sit there in the parking lot and wait. And I don't get it. 
And then if you're normal and you arrive at 1.30 when you're supposed to, you're going to be at the back of a really long line. So I do what every good parent would do. Car line ends at 1.45. I'm arriving at 1.45 so I can get right there. I'm a good parent, I promise. She gets picked up. It's all good. 430 years is a long time to wait. It's hard to even imagine. But maybe you feel like your life resonates with the Israelites. You've been held captive by something for a long time. There's been something that's been holding you back from what God wants for your life. And it feels like it's the shackles of it have just been holding you down. Maybe for you today, you feel like you've been shackled with fear. Maybe you feel like you've been shackled with doubt. You hear everyone saying, this is a new year. There's so much hope. And and you feel like the mountain of life before you is so big that when you lay in bed and it's time to get up for the next morning, you can't even breathe. Because the shackles are so strong. Everyone else is thinking about what the promise of a new year holds. But it took everything for you to walk in here today and believe God for a promise of today. God didn't want the Israelites to be barely hanging on to a sliver of hope. And I believe God doesn't want you to be barely clinging on to a sliver of hope. You see, God wanted the people, he wanted to break them free of their captivity. And God wants to break you free of your captivity. He wants you to break you free. You see, the sin and and all the things that keep us away from God. There are so many things in this world that separate us from God. They are fighting against us. And God wants you to be free. He wants you to be set free from those things so that you can pursue him and that you can be with him. God kept the promise alive for the Israelites for 430 years. Don't you believe there is a promise alive and well for you today? This is what God wanted for his people. This is the promise that he set out for them. In Leviticus chapter 26, it says this, verse 11, I will put my dwelling place among you and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. God wants that same freedom for you. He wants to dwell with you. In Corinthians, it talks about this, that God wants to dwell with you and with me. He wants you. He desires to dwell with you. What does it look like when God dwells with us? Last over Christmas Eve after the service, my wife and I got to go to lunch and it was really exciting because the grandparents were in town so we got to leave the kids and we got to go to lunch and it was great. But it had been a long day. We had family in town and so they were at the house and so that means no one's really sleeping well and I was not feeling really great and it had been a long service. I mean, there's a lot that goes into Christmas Eve service. It was good. But I was pretty tired And so we left and we went over to McAllister's right over here at West Hills. And I was going to get a bowl of soup. I mean, that was all I could. That was it. 
and I wasn't really feeling like talking. I wasn't really feeling like doing much. And we walk into McAllister's and the lady behind the register is ready to chat. And you know who else is ready to chat? My wife. And I'm looking at her like, no! I can't. I don't feel good. I don't want to talk. Just stop. Just get my soup and let me sit down. And the lady starts to share how great her Sunday's going. I'm like, wow, it's great. Good for you. And the reason she shares that her Sunday's going so well is, is because there just haven't been a ton of people. There, there weren't a lot of church people. Because normally on Sunday, the church people come in and they're really rude. And I'm like, oh, no. I thought we were past this. I mean, I, I grew up in church. I can remember hearing pastors talk about how the servers on Sunday, just it's, it's hard. And how it feels like the church people are the hardest to deal with. And I was like, man, I thought we were past this. Surely. It, then a light bulb goes off in my head. And I said, I am about to be that person. And so <laughs> conviction hit me. And I realized that I needed to, at this moment, let Christ dwell in me. And so we started to engage, and I, let, I, I just tried my best to be as friendly as possible. And, and it was cool because God opened some doors for us to encourage her. And she had a customer come up behind us, and she knew his name, and she knew his order. And we were like, wow, you, you really are. Like, you're doing great at this. You know the customers. You care for them. This is so awesome. God wants to dwell inside of us, even at McAllister's after church or at lunch. God wants to dwell with us in our coming and our going. He wants to be a part of every aspect of our lives. That's what it looks like to have God dwell with you. It looks like walking in the house after a long day of work and your kids run up to you and they're a little heavier and they're a little louder. But you have God dwelling inside of you so you meet them with love and compassion and kindness and a little bit of correction. God wants to dwell with you. God wanted to dwell with the Israelites and it wasn't happening while they were in captivity. You see, the chains and the bondages of captivity had grown so tight and so God was going to bring the people out of captivity. The time had come 430 years later and it was time. And so God moves the people out and I'm sure in this moment they're thinking, "Woo! God has punched our ticket. We are free. We're getting out of here. We are headed to the land of milk and honey, the promised land. This is going to be great. And the, God brings them out, but they don't go the way that they thought. See, the Bible talks about it in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 and 18. It says this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. God knew that there were some things that they needed to learn on the way out. 
They weren't completely ready to go the way that made the most sense. So he sends them down the desert road. I feel like so oftentimes in my relationship with God, it feels like God takes me down roads in ways that I'm like, where are we going? God leaves us. The Bible talks about how Jesus, as he departed, he left us the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit would be our guide and and he would lead us. And sometimes it feels like when we're praying and God is leading us, that he takes us to directions that are a little uncomfortable. Like we're believing God for finances and all of a sudden one thing after another and now it, it, it feels like we just can't get ahead. Or we're believing God for a job that opens up and, and the one that opens up is our 10th choice. And it's like, God, really? My wife is really good at listening when God's doing this kind of thing. You see, before... Uh, we were dating, we just were friends and we knew each other and, and she had this promise from God and she was pursuing a dream that God had placed on her heart. And she started to pray and started to believe God for starting this nonprofit and she knew that the next step she had to take was to go into this graduate fellowship program. So in the summer of 2016, she was praying and applying for all these fellowships and she got in. She got into this really great fellowship and they gave her 48 hours and said, hey, you need to decide. And so she started to just pray and contemplate the last minute to, to take this step, to move to a different state, to start a new career. It was a big change. And then she felt this check in her spirit. And it was crazy because she felt this check in her spirit because she thought, man, Dylan, this guy that I know that I'm friends with, I don't want to be in another state than him. And so she politely called and declined the dream that had been placed on her heart. She declined. And then she said, well, I'm going to believe that God is going to make this happen. So I'm going to give it six months. And if Dylan doesn't realize that I'm the love of his life, that I'm going to continue to apply for the next fellowship. And so six months go by and she is applying and believing. And I'm in La La Land. I'm about to graduate from school. And you know, like everyone wants to know what's next. I got tired of the question, what's next? So I had a friend of mine in school who was from Pakistan and he invited me to Pakistan. So I said, I'm going to Pakistan. I'll see y'all later. Stop asking me. And my wife just believed and believed that God was going to do something, uh, that he was going to fulfill his promise. And so uh, she gets into another program. Same call, 48 hours. She has to decide uh, whether she's going to go or not. And I describe it like this. I was praying and I was seeking the Lord and I was kind of wrestling with this idea that maybe I did like her, maybe I didn't. And it felt like the Holy Spirit just hit me over the head with a two by four. And I knew that there was no one else I would rather spend the rest of my life with. So I said, I got to call this girl. I called her up and I asked her on a date in the middle of that 48-hour window. And I said, hey, we got to go on a date. You want to go? And I asked her really nicely. And she went on a date with me. She declined that fellowship another time. So now we're headed into the summer of 2017. We start dating. We're engaged. We're about to get married. We did it pretty quickly. And we get married. And it's crazy because she got into another fellowship. And that summer, right after we got married, we moved to Nashville so that she could pursue this dream that God had placed on her heart.
And God was the one who fulfilled the promise. He fulfilled the promise, even though it didn't necessarily look like the way she thought it would go. He had something better. He had a better school. He had a better place. And he even had a better promise. She got the love of her life. She got me. It's so much better. Where God leads, go. Go. It may feel uncomfortable. It may feel like God is taking us down the desert road, but go. Just because you feel like the circumstances are a desert doesn't mean you're not right where God wants you to be. Even the, in the desert, God hasn't left us. You see, for the Israelites, they're headed down this desert road. God has not left them. He sends them this crazy sign and says, I'm leading you. This is purposeful. I'm taking you this direction. He drops a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire by night to lead the Israelites. It talks about it in the Bible. Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, it says this. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. God is leading the people. He hasn't left them even though they're in the desert. He wanted to bring them out of their place of captivity. And he had to take them this way through the desert because there were some things that they brought with them. And in order to dwell with them, he needed them to to let go of the chains and the bondages that they didn't just leave in Egypt, but they brought with them. They kept them and they carried them. And so God lets Moses in on this plan. In Exodus chapter 14, verse verse one, it says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi Harath between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Could you imagine being an Israelite? You're free. You're set free. And it's not just like 10 or 15 people. Like this is a nation. And they're set free and they they leave the, the land of Egypt and they're headed down this desert road. And then God has this plan for them to be trapped. It's a trap. They're headed to this place where Pharaoh is about to show up and they're about to be confronted with their greatest fear of going back into slavery, of going back. Could you imagine being a parent and looking at your child and going, man, they would have known the taste of freedom. They wouldn't have had to have known the horrors of what we went through, of what generations have gone through. They had a chance And for some reason, God did this on purpose. There's no question about it. They were led by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And God had brought them to this place. And the reason he did it is because God needed them to encounter the thing that was the biggest in their life. The fear and the doubt and the bondages that held them. And he needed to show them that he is greater than their bondage. 
God was bringing them to a place to show them that he is greater. We have a guide. We have a guide that is similar. Jesus left this earth and he said, I'm going to leave you with a helper. And that helper is the Holy Spirit and he's going to guide you into all truth and into all righteousness. And he is the one that's going to help you to navigate this world and all the challenges and all the things. But how easy is it to sometimes go, man, this guide that is leading us must be broken. Like the Holy Spirit taking me to some places that is pretty uncomfortable. And we start to question, God, could this really be your plan? God, did you really intend for me to go to grad school because it just feels like it doesn't keep working out? Maybe for you, it feels like God's been sending you the wrong way and you feel like purpose has completely left and you're just floating through life and it's, it's like, do I really have a guide? Could the Holy Spirit really be with me in this moment? Could he really be guiding me? Maybe you've been facing a divorce and it just feels like it will never end and it's so messy and it feels like there's no way the Holy Spirit could be in the middle of this mess. Or maybe you've had one too many things happen to you and the fear is constantly gripping at you. And it's so strong and it feels like there's no way the Holy Spirit could be in this moment. The reality is, is that they had to confront the thing that was the biggest, the biggest fear, the thing that was holding them in chains and bondage so that God could show himself bigger. So the fear shows up right in front of them. Exodus chapter 14 describes it this way. Verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. Could you imagine pinned in by the army of Egypt, led there by God, by the one who is supposed to be helping? They were terrified and cried out for the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. God brings them to this place and they feel fear. The bondage and the chains that held them there, it's holding them there and they're full of fear. I've seen this fear recently. This just gripping fear. I have a one and a half year old. And the other day he, we've been really trying to encourage healthy eating in our house. And it's very difficult. Because as a baby they eat everything. As a toddler they want to throw it all. But they love snacks. And so my child loves snacks. He is all about the snacks. And so the doctor we were at the doctor and we were discussing it with them and we know this but you know sometimes someone has to say it for a light bulb to go off in your head and they said it they were like hey you probably should lock up the snack drawer we said that's good advice (laughs) okay so I went to the store I bought the child locks I've done it before we did it with my daughter she didn't it didn't she didn't even need them so I thought all right we don't need them but we needed them with him so we go And I start to install them. It takes three hours. I mean, these suckers are hard. They're very difficult. I get them installed. 
And my son comes down the stairs and I am pumped. He's not about to get in that snack drawer. And he goes and I see him start to wrestle with it. And I'm like, yeah, he's not getting in. He's banging around. He looks up. He goes, "Uh oh, yeah. And his eyes are full of fear because he's lost his snacks. And he is mad. So we, we, you know, we went to the living room and kept playing and hanging out. And, and we hear him rumbling around. And then it goes quiet. And when it goes quiet, something bad is happening. So we come around the corner and we're looking and we see the snack drawer and, and we hear some banging in there and we come over and we look and he has gotten into the snack drawer. It took him 10 minutes. Not only did he get into the snack drawer, he went all the way into the cabinet. And he got closed in. It locked him back into the snack drawer. But he was happy. His gray, I mean, he was, he was happy. This is what it looks like when he gets in the snack drawer. Yeah. Like he actually goes into the snack drawer. He had encountered his greatest fear and he said, not today. I am not letting this happen to me again. I can't imagine the fear that was happening for the Israelites. The challenge that they were facing in that moment to be asking questions like, God, did you really mean to set us free? God, did you really mean to do this? Could you have really meant to bring us here? Because it feels like we're not going to get away. And I've asked questions of God like that, and I've thought, God, did you really mean? God, did you really mean for us to move across the country? God, did you really mean for us to take that next step? God, did you really mean it when you said that I could be the man that you've called me to be? God, did you really mean it when you said I could love my wife well and I could love my kids so well and be strong and courageous and compassionate and kind? Because sometimes it feels like this world is just so heavy. God, did you really mean to? And I think it's what the Israelites felt in this moment. But what was happening was that God had a greater plan. He really meant for them to be there. And the next thing that was going to happen was something incredible, something miraculous. You see, the people are pinned up at the Red Sea and there's nowhere for them to go. They are trapped. They are completely stuck. But God does something incredible. He moves the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire that had brought them to this place. And he moves it from in front of the people to behind them. The Bible describes it like this in verse 19. Then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them. Coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. This crazy, miraculous thing happens. The pillar protected the promise. 
God brought his people all the way to this moment so that they could confront their greatest fear. They could confront the doubts, the chains, the bondages that still held them from dwelling with God, from being with him. And then in a moment of crisis, God, by the power of his hand, moves the pillar from the front to the back to a place of protection. I think there's so many times in our life where the Holy Spirit leads us to places that are uncomfortable, to places that are difficult and challenging. And God is saying, hey, I've got something for you. I want you to grow. I've got something for you to develop. I've got a plan and a purpose for you. And we get so afraid, but God is moving the spirit into a place to protect it because what happens is so cool. The Red Sea by a mighty hand of God is parted. And the Israelites have a chance by faith to take one step after another to move to the promise that God had for them. Because on the other side, God is going to meet them. He's going to dwell among them. He's going to be with them. He is going to fulfill the promise of freedom for his people. And when they take that step of faith to step into the promise, what happens is they cross over on dry land to the other side. And then Pharaoh and his army chase after them. The pillar is removed and they chase after them. And then God, by his mighty hand, moves the sea again. And he washes away the chains and the bondage and everything that they left Egypt with that he needed them to get rid of. In one moment of believing that God is who he says he is that he is going to keep his promise, that he is going to fulfill it, that they step out in faith. And then God wipes them free of their bondages. I think the same is true for you and for me. It's that God is saying, I brought you here for a reason. It may feel like a desert. It may feel like I've been far off, but I've been right there with you the whole time. And I just want you to take a step of faith to believe that I am who I say I am and I'm going to fulfill the promise. Maybe you're in the same place as the Israelites today. You don't know that you can see the promise that God has for your life. You're pinned in. The enemy's too big. The chains are too much. The addiction is too strong. Sin is too great. Maybe it feels like you can't win and you're just running into challenge after challenge and, and your kids are either getting into trouble and they're doing stuff that they're not supposed to or they're, they're being bullied. Or maybe it's work has become so stressful that the Sunday scaries are so strong that every weekend you feel the pit and your stomach begin to grow. Or maybe you've been asking the question of God, God, are you done with me? I've been at this for a really long time and I haven't felt you for a long time. I haven't felt the promise. I haven't felt any sort of thing. God, are you done? Let me say this. If, if you're not dead, he's not done. Maybe today you're sitting there and you don't have a specific promise that you're holding on to. You aren't even sure where you would start. Can I remind you of a few? He who began a good work among you will bring it to completion. 
He will strengthen you and uphold you by his righteous hand. He keeps us in perfect peace when our mind is on him. He will make your steps firm. His power is made perfect in weakness. Do not fear. He will help you. God is the creator of heaven and earth. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God who led his people out of captivity. And he wants freedom for you too. He wants freedom for you too. So maybe today you've made some great New Year's resolutions. Can I challenge you to do something a little bit different? This year, maybe you need to seek God for a promise. Maybe you need to get a little bit radical about it and you need to start praying, God, I need you to wake me up in the middle of the night with a promise to reignite a faith, to be the dad that you have called me to be, to be the wife that you have called me to be. Maybe you need to come to pray first. Here it is. You got to come to pray first. It starts tomorrow, 6 a.m. We're going to be in here praying and seeking God. And you just need to fervently pray and believe, God, would you help give me a promise for this year? Where are you leading me? Where are you taking me? Because where you go, I want to go. And I want you to show yourself big in my life. I want you to help me to get free of those addictions that have trailed me. I want you to help me to get free of the mindset that I've been trapped in. And I'm going to trust that you are big enough to do that. The Holy Spirit is going to act like a pillar. You see, the Bible talks about what this looks like in John chapter 16, verse 13. The Holy Spirit, it says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit is our guide and he's going to nudge us and direct us and help us to move to places that God wants to take us. Maybe for you today, the Holy Spirit is giving you that nudge of conviction. Let me tell you, God is greater than the things that hold us. God is greater than anything that can keep us from him. And and we want to be a people. I want to be a people and a church that is chasing after the promises of God, chasing after the Holy Spirit, because we believe that God is going to fulfill his promises. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us. You want to ask, what is the next step? What's the next step that I should take? It's pretty simple. Would you just pray and obey? Would you pray? Would you take time to get into God's presence, to know who he is, to hear his voice, to let him speak to you and guide you and nudge you? And then obey and believe and go and take that step of faith into the next step that he is leading you to. To take that step of faith to say, God, I believe that this promise is from you. I'm going to step out and obey. Pray and obey. 
We're going to be a church that's chasing after promises this year, not New Year's resolutions. You can have those too. They're good. If you would, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to go back to the beginning and say, hey, if, if you're sitting here today and you don't feel like you've seen God in a long time or you feel like you haven't connected with God in a really long time or maybe you've never known God at all and you feel like the Israelites and you've been stuck in this cycle or stuck in this mindset or uh, the Bible says that God wants to set you free and that he wants to have a relationship with you and that he wants to lead you and guide you and take you into all truth and the way that we do that is we just believe that he is Lord in our heart and we confess with our mouth that he is faithful and just to deliver us from all our sins. And we call that a fresh start. And so if you'd like to make a fresh start and, and you would like Jesus to be Lord of your life, you'd like him to guide you, you'd like him to set you free today, I want to invite you to make that fresh start. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. Yeah. Thank you. If you want to make that fresh start, that's you. Thank you. Let's pray. God, we love you. Father, we thank you that you see us. God, I thank you that you paid the ultimate price so that we could have freedom, so that we could dwell with you, Lord God. So, Father, I pray in this moment that as we say, that as we confess you are Lord, that as we believe that you paid the ultimate price, Lord, I pray that you would forgive us, God, that you would help us to make you Lord of our life, that we would serve you from here on out, and that we would hear from your Holy Spirit, that we would be guided and directed by you, Jesus. We thank you so much. We pray this in your mighty name. I want to pray one more thing. If you're here, before we go about our, our new year, if you're here and you've been chasing after a promise, I'll be quick. If you've been chasing after a promise for a long time and you've been believing God or maybe the Holy Spirit's been leading you into some places that are uncomfortable, I just want to, I want to agree with you in prayer to take that step of faith, to believe that he is who he says he is. So if that's you, if you've been chasing after a promise, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Yeah. Awesome. Let's pray. God, I thank you for everyone in this room, Father. I thank you for everyone who is, is chasing after you, Lord. I pray that you would help us to believe that you are who you say you are. God, I pray that you would help us to go when you tell us to go. And when we encounter the things that feel so difficult, when we're on the desert road, when we encounter the challenges and the bondages and the chains that hold us back from you, Lord, I pray that you would help us to know that you are bigger, that you are God, that you are in control, that you are going to set us free. So, Lord, I pray that you would be the God of your promises this year, that as we chase after you, Lord, we would step out in faith. We would see you move in incredible ways. Help us to trust you, Lord. We pray this in your mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen. <laughs>